Um, it might be something to do about getting good grades, maybe. Um, going to a good university. Uh, get, getting a good degree. Get that good job, being an engineer, whatever it is. Um, if you think about it, they're probably all based somewhere around getting some money, isn't it? It's about getting a good degree so you can get a good job so you can earn money. It's kind of all focused on money if you think about it. Um, yeah, we may not want to be really, really stinking rich, but we just want to be comfortable. We want to have enough. Um, I was trying to think about what the kind of forward dream was. Um, I guess it probably includes a Range Rover, a nice house, enough money to pay the tennis club membership probably. <laughs> like, it's, it's kind of the air we breathe around forward, isn't it? And yeah, we might not have been earning a lot of money yet, but how long do you think about, how much do you think about what you're going to spend your money on? Like when you're going to buy the next PS3 game or the new top, the new dress, whatever. I think if you're anything like me, you'll maybe have to admit that you spend more time thinking about money than maybe is healthy. We spend more time than we think thinking about money. Now looking at Micah chapter 3, the leaders and the prophets of Judah, they're the people that are in the dock in chapter 3. And these leaders and the prophets, they're seemingly being driven by money. They're just out for what they can get from the people. Just have a look at verse 11. It says, um, Here, her leaders judge for a bribe, her priests teach for a price, and her prophets tell fortunes for money. This verse is pretty key in this chapter, and it's just saying that the leaders, they're out for getting money. They, they judge for a bribe, and the priests, they teach for money. The prophets, they tell fortunes for money. It's all about money, money, money. For them, it's all about the money. And really, money has become their God. We're going to see in this chapter um, just how this affects how they act, how they treat other people, and it affects how they um, talk to other people, what they say, and what their prophets say. So um, just focusing on verse 1 um, to 3, where Micah focuses, um, and we're going to look at this point about how money changes how we treat others. Let's have a look at verse 1. Then I said, listen, you leaders of Jacob, you rulers of Israel, should you not know justice? You who hate good and love evil, who tear the skin from my people and the flesh from their bones, who eat my people's flesh, strip off their skin and break their bones in pieces, who chop them up like meat for the pan, like flesh for the pot. Can you see what loving money has done to them? They're just out for what they can get. It's made, it's made them totally twisted and messed up. The leaders of Judah, they should know justice. They should act justly. They should look good. They should feed the people. They should be leading the people. But what do they do in these verses? They love evil. They're oppressing the people. They're using them and feeding off them and basically wanting to devour them like animals. That's what these verses say. Like money ultimately changed what they thought was right and wrong. And money changed their actions. It's quite striking, especially as well, when you think about um, chapter 2 last week when we saw this leader, um, this amazing leader, chapter 2, verse 12, um, says this, I will surely gather all of you, Jacob. I will surely bring together the remnant of Israel. I'll bring them together like sheep in a pen, like a flock in its pasture. 
the place will throng with people. The one who breaks open the way will go up before them. They'll break through the gate and go out. Their king will pass through before them, their lord at their head. Now think about this kind of leader, this lord, this king, the one who gathers the people, who cares for them, who shepherds them like, like their sheep. And then think about the leaders in chapter 3. They're less like shepherds and more like wolves. They want to eat them. They want to devour them. And just look on to verse 9. The charge against the leaders, it continues. Hear this, you leaders of Jacob, you rulers of Israel, who despise justice and distort all that is right, who build Zion with bloodshed and Jerusalem with wickedness. Now, Jerusalem and Zion, they should have been places built upon peace and justice. It's where God's holy people are meant to dwell and where they should live in righteousness and not in sin. But the leaders, they despise justice and all that is right, like it says in verse 9. And these leaders, they're just out for anything they can get and it leads them to do evil. The whole of Judah is suffering from this. So money changes how we treat others. And secondly, money changes what we say to others. Um, have a look at verse 5, how it changes these um, prophets. Verse 5. As the prophets who lead my people astray, they proclaim peace if they have something to eat, but prepare to wage war against anyone who refuses to feed them. Can you see what's happening here? Their prophets, they'll proclaim peace if someone feeds them a good meal. They'll say peace. But if they don't, they'll wage war against them. So basically, what they say depends on whether they're going to give them food and a good meal. And so they're beginning just to say whatever they want to hear. They're telling lies. And they're just making up prophecy because they want to get stuff out of the people. They want food. They're driven by this want and need for more. And they're not saving the people like they should be. They're taking from them. Like, in whatever way they can, they're just telling the people what they want to hear so they can profit themselves. And I guess, really, it just comes from this attitude where they just want to keep in with the people. I guess, just think, aren't we the same sometimes? Aren't we the same? Don't we, don't we think, oh, I'll, I'll not tell them the truth about what I think about sin in Jesus just because... I don't want to stick my neck out, really. Maybe sometimes you're tempted just to change what you say because you want to keep in with the crowd. I guess if you're trusting money and loving money like the people here, it'll affect what you say because if you're not trusting God, you're not going to bother telling other people about trusting God. It all seems to keep coming back to verse 11 where it says, Her leaders judge for a bribe her priests teach for a price, and her prophets tell fortunes for money. It's all about money, money, money. And if money is God, then you begin to hate good and love evil, like it says in verse 2. Now, it's easy to look at this passage and point the finger at the leaders and the prophets and say, bah, they've got it wrong, they've got it so wrong, they're messed up. But the point is here, it's an example of a bigger issue that all of us suffer from, that we... We want more. We want more money. We've got this kind of desire to, for money and stuff. Just think about that forward dream or whatever you said at the beginning. It's, 
It's kind of the air we breathe in this culture. This passage shows us what loving money does. Loving money changes how we treat other people. Loving money changes what we say to others. And loving money ultimately changes what we think is right and wrong. Because if we're not serving God as our master and listening to what he says, and what he says is right and what is wrong, then we'll be listening to someone else or some other master. It's impossible to love God and to love money at the same time. You cannot obey the Lord, live righteously, do justly, and love money at the same time. Now Jesus has something to say about this um, too. He says this in the New Testament in Matthew chapter 6. He says, No one can serve two masters. Either you'll hate the one and love the other, and, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. He's saying if you love one, you'll have to despise the other. You can't love both just a little bit. And in 1 Timothy chapter 6, it says this as well. It said, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. This verse says that loving money is the root of all kinds of evil. And we see that in this chapter. At least the loads of other evils. And ultimately here, it causes people to wander from their faith. Just think about it. On the one hand, if you're loving money, and you're driven by money, you'll probably want everything you can get, and you'll exploit other people. Um, you'll be driven by greed, and you'll just want, want, want. If you love God, and when we love God, and we do what he says, we can't. We can't be greedy, because God is a God of justice and mercy and grace. He's not a God of greed and exploiting other people. Let's think back to that video. Are you trusting in money or are you trusting in God? I guess we need to think, yeah, there's ways we need to change. And yeah, how can we change? I guess it's about um, loving Jesus more than money. Look to him. See, seek to be like him. Try and see how he, how he gave up everything for us. He emptied himself to the cross. He gave up everything. And 2 Corinthians says this, that for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, through your poverty, through his poverty, might become rich. Christ gave up everything for us. So set your eyes on Jesus. Make him your role model who willingly gave everything for us. And just think, why, why aren't our dreams for the future more about becoming like Jesus? I don't know if anyone said that at the beginning. I know it's what I believe, but it might not be what I said at the beginning. I want to be more like Jesus. Does it, do our dreams focus around that? Do you want to be more like Jesus? Because setting our hearts on becoming more like Jesus will change our priorities, especially when it comes to money. I mean, looking back at Micah, um, we'll just see us around there, just even more messed up. Um, just look at verse 11. Um, yeah, it says this. Her leaders judge for a bribe, her priests teach for a price, and her prophets tell fortunes for money. Yet they lean upon the Lord and say, it's not the Lord among us. No disaster will come upon us. 
They're totally complacent. They think, oh, we've got money, it's fine. They probably think, actually, that they've got money that means that actually, oh, it's a sign of God's blessing. God's with us, yeah, we've got money. We're sorted. And I guess having lots of money does make us complacent with God. We think we don't need him, like, perhaps we think his favour is with us, maybe. Maybe we think his blessing is with us, but money, ultimately, probably, if we've got lots of it, we might think we just don't need him. And they think, are we tempted to think, oh, yeah, it doesn't matter what I do if I sin, God's still there, God's still with me. Do you ever think like that? Can we become complacent too, just thinking, yeah, I've got loads of money. I'll be fine. Surely God's with me. Like these people, like the leaders are saying here. Now just have a little think about these things, about loving money and this kind of complacency. And there's a few questions um, for you to think about in your group. And then we'll come back together. I'll give you five minutes. Um, so have a look about those questions. things you've been discussing, keep those thoughts in your head. And we're just going to keep looking back into Micah and just see what the judgment um, it says here for these people, for the leaders and the prophets. And um, we've seen the crime, they just love money and act unjustly. So let's look at the judgment. Um, and yeah, again, this, it shows us if you love money, then you've, you've not got God as your master. There is judgment to pay for that. Now look at verse 4. Um, we're going to see three things of this judgment. In verse 4, it's all about um, the silence that comes from God. Verse 4 says this, Then they will cry out to the Lord, but he will not answer them. At that time he will hide his face from them because of the evil they have done. There will be silence from God, it says. There will be silence, because he won't answer them. This would be a real kick in the teeth. For them as well, because they think, oh, God's with us, verse 11, and there's going to be silence from God. And to the prophets who have been telling fortunes for money, there's going to be darkness. It says, look at verse 6. Therefore, night will come over you without visions, and darkness without divination. The sun will set for the prophets, and the day will go dark for them. The seers will be ashamed, and the divine is disgraced. They will all cover their faces, because there is no answer from God. And there'll be destruction. Um, look at verse 12. Ultimately, Zion, this holy hill, will be ploughed like a field. It'll be destroyed. Look at verse 12. It says, Therefore, because of you, Zion, Zion will be ploughed like a field. Jerusalem will become like a heap of rubble. And the temple hill will be a mound with overgrown thickets. It's going to be ruined, destroyed. So, yet again, we see in Micah, because of their sin, the judgment is serious and the picture is pretty bleak. And the same is true for us. If we're not putting God as our master, if we're not loving God and we're not serving him and living for him and doing what he says, and if we're sinning against him, then there's judgment, the Bible says. And it's serious. But um, there is hope. There is hope in this passage. Um, just have a look at... Wait a minute. 
have a look at verse 8. Um, it's in this. But as for me, I am filled with power, with the Spirit of the Lord, and with justice and might, to declare to Jacob his transgression, to Israel his sin. Here, this is Micah speaking, and we see how God provides someone to speak the truth. In contrast to all these prophets who were telling lies for money and for food, God provides someone who's going to speak to them, who's full of the Spirit of the Lord, full of justice and might and power, who's going to speak the truth to them about their sin. God really graciously gives them someone to tell them this, even though he said there will be silence from him. He sends Michael. Now, you can think about verse 8. It says this, there's someone who's, going to, who's God sent. Just think about this one who's spirit-filled, comes with power and justice and might. Who does that sound like? It's Jesus. <laughs> it's just like, just like Jesus. And we can see Jesus in this passage. Um, just have a look at some of the parables. Parallels. Just like in Micah, um, there is darkness and silence, like it said. Um, Jesus came to the cross in darkness and silence. And in verse 12, it says how the temple is going to be totally destroyed. The temple hill is going to be destroyed. And when Jesus comes, something else is going to happen to the temple. In Micah, the destruction of the temple is all about, um, and the temple hill is all about God's judgment and them being far from him. But when Jesus comes on the cross and when he dies for us, what happens is the temple curtain is torn in two. And it's the complete opposite. It's announcing that there's a way to God, that we can be near to God, that we can draw near and we have a way to God. God is so gracious in, in sending Micah to tell the people about their sin and to proclaim their sin. And God is amazingly gracious to us. He sends Jesus not only to proclaim to us about our sin, but to deal with it totally at the cross. Jesus came to deal with all the sin and injustice and our twisted and wrong actions and our love of money. And at the cross, he takes the punishment for us. He says in 1 Peter that he, that's Jesus himself, he bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds we've been healed. And like we looked at two printings earlier, it said how Jesus, though he was rich, became poor for us, so that we might become rich. So it's just when we see, like in my case, it's just when we see how rubbish and how sinful we are, we just see how great a saviour we've got. Amen. Just have a think about these things, and we're going to pray in our groups, and there's a few suggestions here um, on the screen.